Continuing our series called The Five Pillars for 2021, uh, and we started this, uh, this concept that there are pillars we want to build on. Now, we have a foundation. The foundation is Christ, and so if you're new to our church or uh, if, if for all of us to be a reminder uh, that we are built on the body of Christ, meaning we are built on Christ's truth, what he taught, and we're also built on his word. And so the Bible is our foundation as a church, and uh, we are Christ-centered in everything we do. And so that's the foundation. Now, the pillars are what the, the Bible has revealed to us as a church of what we're to focus on. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, If I am delayed, and this is Paul writing, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, or God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so we're built on a foundation of Christ, and we have these pillars of truth that we live into. Uh, Last week, we looked at worship, and God wants participants, not spectators. And so uh, as we watch the sporting events, we see no one in the crowd. Uh, The truth is, we're all called to be on the playing field. We're all called to be part of what's going on. And, And that I believe, and I know this to be true, that Jesus shaped every single one of us in this room And he has something for us, whether it's prayer, whether it's service, whether it's missions, that your experiences in life, your giftedness, um, the things that you've gone through, your education, all of those things will align you for what his calling is in your life. And that there's no one in here that God uh, cannot use. He can use all of us. And so we're all to participate in what he's doing and how he's doing it. And today we're moving to fellowship. I think another word for fellowship is friendship. And so when we think of friendship, I want you for a moment, everyone just close your eyes just for a moment. Take a deep breath. When you were in high school, who were your closest friends? When you were in your 20s, who were your closest friends? Now, I know no one's over 30 in here, so we'll stop at 30. Who were your closest friends in your 30s? All right, you can open your eyes. Now, those people that you thought about, those people that you recollected, uh, how many of them were good influences on your life? How many of them were bad influences on your life? How much impact does a friend have in your life? You know, one of the things I find as a pastor, the more years I'm a part of church, is the power of friendship. The power of friendship. And I believe it is a God-created part of our life to have friends and that those friends have major impacts in our lives. Um, We're told that friends make memories together. And if you thought about your friends, um, did you make your friends because you sat in a class with them? Or did you make your friends because you talked at lunch? Or you hung out on the weekends. You know, our friends are those people that we spend time with and we get to know and they get to know us. Um, It's been said that friends are the ones who add smiles to our faces and happiness to our hearts. Life is dull when you don't have a friend to share your happy moments with. Friendship is all about growing old together and creating memories together. There is no one who understands you like your friend. If you're not there, I feel that important part of my life is missing because you're very special. Friends don't come easy in life, and therefore, they should be handled with care. 
A true friend is someone whom you can trust without second thoughts. The beautiful thing about friendship is that it fills your life with lovely memories. It's a mutual effort and sacrifice to make a friendship a success. And so this morning when we talk about this idea of fellowship in the church and friendship, who did God create us for? Who did God create us for? Who does God want us to be friends with this morning? How much should we consider this in the life of the church? And so before we go uh, to God's word, let's precede it with prayer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for another day. Thank you that you are holy and you are just and you are righteous. And we can trust you with everything in our lives today. Lord, I pray this morning as we've gathered that uh, we would look to you for answers, that we look to your word, that we would not trust our own understandings, but that we would acknowledge you and that we would follow you. Lord, I pray that whatever need we have, I know that there is tension, I know that there is fear, I know that um, there is anxiety in our world. I pray, Lord, if if there are those here with me this morning that need relief, they need encouragement, they need peace, I pray that you would give it. Lord, I pray that you would fill us exactly with the things we need. Lord, help us to understand and to embrace the fact that that you've created us to be in relationship with you and to be in relationship with others. And so, Lord, I pray as we talk about this subject of friendship and fellowship, that it would be your words and your thoughts and your ways that would be revealed to our minds and that, Lord, we would be embracing those things. I pray that you would protect us, Lord. I pray that you would give us clarity. Help us not to be distracted uh, by lunch or by problems or by any other distraction. But, Lord, that we would be focused on your words and we'd let them um, impact our lives. And so, Lord, we pray now that you would use this time. Thank you for, for setting up church so that every week we can come together and focus on you, so that every day in our lives we can be reminded of your love and that we can live out these truths just on every single day, not just today. And so, Lord, we ask you to to guide us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be looking at a couple different places this morning as we dive into the importance of fellowship. And so we're going to begin with the first church, and this is recorded by Luke. He also wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And in Acts, he tells us of the beginning of the church. And uh, if you get a chance today, I would encourage you to go look at Acts chapter 1 and 2 as the foundation of the church begins and and the beginning of what we're part of. We are part of something that was started 2,000 years ago. We're in a chain of events. We're part of a group that has met and has continued and grown and grown and grown. And it's interesting to think that when it started, it was on the other side of the world. As we talked about Saudi Arabia this morning and praying for the people of Saudi Arabia, well, they're much closer to where Jesus started his church than we are today, and yet his church has grown and it has expanded and it has become part of the entire world that there are churches gathering and worshiping God today. And and that word church uh, is actually a better word we can use as ecclesia. And ecclesia, that means on mission, a group of people that are organized and on mission. What is our mission? It is declare the good news of the gospel. And to live into that, that gospel, we call that discipleship, becoming disciples, students of Jesus. 
And so here we see in Acts chapter 2 how we as the church has the gathering. We're here this morning. We're on mission. What we're to do. And this is Peter, uh, the same Peter that, that walked on water, the same Peter that cut off the ear of the soldier. He is, he is now bold in his faith, and he is declaring these truths. He says, Peter replied, and we're verse, chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter establishes, this is the, really the first sermon given to the church. It's the first point of emphasis, and, and, and Peter could have gone a lot of different ways, but he focused on this very important fact, repentance and belief. Belief leads to baptism. Baptism is, is an outward uh, feeling or an outward symbol of an inward decision, an inward faith. And so he says, repent, turn from, from yourself, turn from your sin, and, and be baptized and join the family. The choir sang about joining the family, and that's exactly what Peter is referring to here. In verse 39, it says, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. You know, when it says far off, who it's talking about, it's talking about us. We are far off. We're the ones that he is making a commitment to. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Be um, separated from this current corrupt generation. And so Peter's saying that there's, there is a tendency for us, there's a tendency because it's our sinful human nature to want to wanna blend in to our generation and to our culture, right? It is so interesting to me. I was able to do a study on all the different generations, the boomers, the busters, the generation X, the generation Y, and how defined they are by, by things that happened during their lifetime. Do you know it's amazing that sociologists have studied people and they see that they relate based on their age. And there are things I could tell you this morning where you would relate to your age group and you would find a common place with your age group. And it's easy for us, it's natural for us to connect with our generations. It's part of our nature. But Peter is saying here, we need to make sure that we are not blending in with the corruption, not blending in with a generation that denies God, resists his truth, and is living in rebellion. And so this morning as we come, how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves from not becoming one of the many? How do we keep ourselves from, from not just looking and being and sounding like everyone else? It was interesting to me, I was able to go to Ayacucho, Peru, and our responsibility there on a mission trip was to go around and get to know people. And one of the things we did is we had a little questionnaire sheet, and we would all have interpreters with us, and we walked around in the, in the town square. It had this beautiful town square, and we were to go and talk to all the different people. And it was interesting to me that everyone that was about 40 years old or older, when we asked them the question, what is the most important thing to you? What do you value the most? Do you know what they said? They said maintaining traditions of our culture. Maintaining our history. Maintaining our uniqueness. Do you know what the people under 40 years old said? Saving the environment. Equal wages. They were saying the same things that I would hear in here in the United States from people 40 and younger. Do you know why? 
because we connect to our generations. And now, not only in, in history, we've had thousands of different cultures all over the world with their traditions. Now we're beginning to have a universal, a global tradition, a global approach to life. And Peter is saying, be very careful that you don't build your fellowship and your friendship, that your closest friends, because your closest friends will define who you are, that you don't allow that to merge you into the corruption and into the lostness of your generation. And so he goes on to say, this is the answer. This is what you're to do. This is how you avoid doing that. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people made a commitment to the church on that day. Continuing in verse 42. They devoted themselves. Devoted means they committed. They made a priority in their life. They said, this is something that is going to be important to me. I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to live my life with this as a top priority. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching would be the gospels. And to the what? The fellowship. To the fellowship. To breaking of bread and to prayer. The very first church, the foundation was built on the gospel. Repent and be baptized. And following that, 3,000, over 3,000 were committing themselves to that. And in that commitment, they, they devoted themselves to learning the gospel and fellowshipping, becoming friends, becoming close-knit. They would eat together. They would live together. They began a relationship of friendship within the church. The first church was known, it was known for being a place that you could belong as part of that family. The friendliness, the welcomingness, welcoming into truth so that people could walk away from the generation that was in rebellion and they could walk into a family that was committed to truth. Proverbs 13.20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for the company of fools suffers harm. Every single one of us knows someone that ruined their life because of their friends. I don't have to tell you a story about someone that ruined their life because you already know someone. But that should burden us as a church. We're called out light and salt. That should burden me as a pastor. It should burden you if you're a follower of Christ. That we should have a place that is welcoming to the world, that has truth to present to those who come here. Has life to those who come here. Because there are so many places they can go and be corrupted. There are so many groups of people that are gathering right now that will lead to a path of destruction. That friendships in those places will be devastating to lives. We should be motivated. We should see the opportunity that today in a world that is in fear, a world that is in isolation, a world that has no solid answers, that the fellowship of believers is where hope is found. That's why I believe this is a pillar of the church. I believe friendship and fellowship are essential parts of any church. Whoever your closest friends are. I used to say this to teenagers all the time. Whoever your friends are today is who you'll be tomorrow. But you know, it's not just true for teenagers. It's true for all of us. You know, I meet grumpy people and then I find their friends and they're grumpy too. (laughs) 
We are like our friends. They talk about how your spouse and you begin to merge together and become very similar. That's the way God created it. He wants us to be influenced by good friends. And we should be praying for good friends. We should be praying for good friends for our children. We should establish a church where we can find good friends. We should establish a church where our children can find good friends. This is the answer. This is why Jesus established the church. Friendship matters. The world does not own friendship. We all need it. I need friendship. You need friendship. It's part of the created order that God has given us. 1 Peter 1.22 says this, Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you may be sincere, have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. It's so um, concerning to me that I've been in churches, I've been around in churches where it's just a place to sit and listen and sing songs and it's not a place to deeply love for each other. To have deep, meaningful relationships. That's why we want to do chili cook-offs. That's why we want you to go to a Bible study. Why we want you to be a part of a Sunday school. Why we want you to be active on a, on a Saturday morning with our men's group. Where we're cleaning and doing things around the church. Because that's how you build friendships. I look back at my high school years and my college years. And, and really I remember those sports teams that I was a part of. And, and that, that doing something together. Achieving a goal together, being on a mission together, how powerful that was in my life, how much joy and happiness that brought to my life, because I believe that's the way God wants it to be. That's why he created it that way. He wants us to be a family. He wants us to be a team where we're experiencing life together. And sometimes when we go through the hardest things together, those are the things that meld us closest together. And so a church is a family, it's a body of believers, and fellowship must be at the core of that, must be one of the pillars of the church, that we are friends with each other. We're not just, hey, I know your face and I may know your name, but I know your kids and I know your grandkids and I know what to pray for you about and I know what you're struggling with and I want to support you and when everyone's walking out, I want to walk in. When everyone tells you you can't, I want to tell you you can that's why God set up this place. Not for us to judge each other and put each other down and make us feel miserable and, and talk about us, each other behind each other's backs. That is, not, that is the enemy's way. That is not the way of the Lord. John 15, 15 says this. It's amazing. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friend. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You know that God created us to be his friend, to be in a deep, meaningful relationship, a relationship that's not once a week. There's no friendships that are good that you're only seeing each other uh, or listening about your friend for an hour a week. Friendships are built over time. Meaningful friendships are built over a lifetime. It's a commitment to that friendship. I talk with the deacons, I talk with the leaders, and I talk about cultivating a place where we can have lifelong, meaningful relationships. I know we're in Daytona, I know we're in this area where people come and go, and, and they're not really looking for that, but that's what we were created for. That's what every single one of us in our heart wants. 
People that love us, people that we can love, people that we can invest in their lives, people that we can walk alongside. We all know that. We don't have to be taught that. But we do need to be intentional about it. Because we live in a time right now that says isolation is the most important thing. Fear and isolation rule the day. Do you know that is exactly the opposite of the kingdom of heaven? There's no fear. There's no isolation. Yes, we need to be wise. We need to be careful. We need to care for our neighbors, our brothers and sisters. But the truth of the matter is this. We don't get these days back. You don't get these months back. You don't get these years back. When time is spent, is spent. And there are people, regardless of us in this room, there are people in this world that don't know they're loved and that they are God, the God of the, the created universe is offering them friendship. They don't know that. They're miserable. They go from friendship to friendship, from drugs to drugs, from sex to alcohol, to all this stuff. Looking for that thing that God created for them to have. We look at the world and say, why are there so many problems? Why can't the government fix it? Why can't this fix it? Why can't that fix it? Because God put the church here for the solution. He didn't put these other systems here for those solutions. He put the church for the problems we see in our culture. He put the church here. You cannot legislate people to live the right way. But you can, the Holy Spirit of God can change their heart. So how do we do this? How do we build these strong friendships that last over time? First, I believe we need to welcome everyone that comes through the doors of this church. There should never be a person that comes to anything in connection to this church that feels like they were not welcome. I remember I was at a church once and I was told that a woman came in and and she left because she was divorced. And they were talking about how she had been divorced. And they made her feel miserable and she never came back. We don't recognize the power of our words. We don't recognize the importance of welcoming every person, no matter what they look like, no matter if we know everything about them. We know all the mess in their life. They still are loved and welcomed at this church. And that should be the reality of every church. You don't get right and go to God. You go to God and he gets you right. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through repenting of your sin, through receiving Jesus as your Savior, that is the only thing that fixes anybody. And so we welcome everyone. We welcome them no matter what they look like, no matter what they smell like, no matter how they talk, no matter how different they are from me or you, we welcome them as a pillar of who we are. And we listen. We listen. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your background. I want to get to know you. You're a valuable person. I think you're worth listening to. We listen and then we talk and share about ourselves because that's how friendships work. Friendships are are relationships. It's two ways. I want to get to know you so you can get to know me so we can grow closer together. And that bond grows and tightens. Then we, we can be on ministry together and we can serve together and we can laugh together and we can cry together and we can do life together. But it has a starting place. 
as a starting place. When people drive by, do they see a church and say, wow, I'm, are they welcoming there? Would I be welcomed in? Could I be part of that? Do you know, usually when you go to any new thing, within about 30 seconds, you determine whether you're coming back. And a lot of that has to do with, do I feel like I could be part of this? Do I feel like I would be welcomed here? And then finally, I think this is so vital for the church because we've messed up on this. Be a good friend. Be a good friend. If you, if you know someone's struggling with something, don't gossip about it. Be a good friend. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Be the friend you want to have. Treat with respect and dignity the people in your life. Avoid speaking ill. I mean, I've been there. We all know it. If there's something about saying something bad about someone else, it's like candy. But it's also like candy because it rots you out. And the more you do it, the worse you're going to get. We've got to be so careful about how we talk about each other, talk about people. Because we need to be good friends. Jesus was the perfect example of that. He, could have, he had every right to treat people like they were less than him. Jesus had every right. He's the God of the universe. He's infallible. He's perfect. He had every right to treat people with, as they were less than he is. And yet, what did he do? He washed his disciples' feet. He served. He healed. He went to the place no one else would go. He went to the lepers, the unclean. And he treated them as friends. He respected them. It's interesting. If you, if you study how he interacted with the people in the New Testament, you're going to find that he talks to a woman at a well. He doesn't tell her things. He listens and responds and asks questions. Why does he ask questions? To show that he cares that that person is valuable. You're valuable enough for me to listen to. You're valuable for me to get to know you. This is what we're called to do. Be good friends. We can't do this. None of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For that to happen, you must be twice born. You must be born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. You must, have come, you must do what Peter says. Repent. Repent of who you thought you could be. Repent of your sin that has, has been an offense to God and, and separated you from him. And then believe. And in the believing, you receive. You receive the Holy Spirit. And in your new birth, your spirit-filled birth, then you can be a true friend. See, the amazing thing is every day we can ask God to help us to be good friends. I need to ask God to help me to make and be a good friend. You know, when we do discipleship, one of the things that... This is so important to me, and I've recognized it in my life. When we go out and share Jesus, I have to be ready to make a lifelong friend. It's not about getting someone saved and walking away and never talking to them again. You don't have a baby born and then leave it there to figure its way out. Part of this, part of the gospel, part of our mission is to make a lot of new friends. And some of us don't like that idea. (laughs) And that's okay because the Holy Spirit will change your heart. The Holy Spirit will change your desires. The Holy Spirit will give you that appetite. If you're willing to hand it over and say, I need help with this. I want to be able to be more welcoming. I want to be more engaging. I want to make these friendships so people can know you. 
And so it starts with us, a commitment we make. You know, it's interesting throughout the Bible, we, this word covenant always comes up. We talk about the old covenant and the new covenant, the Old Testament, the New Testament. You know, I think it's important for us as believers to make covenants with God, to say, this is who I am. This is what I am committed to. And so as a church, as a church, the second pillar that we want to be in covenant with God about is that we're committed to fellowship. You're going to look at our schedule. You're going to, and when I meet with the deacons, I meet with the leaders. We talk about fellowship is something we're going to do on a regular basis. It will be part of the regular flow of what we do here because we want to build friendships. Meaningful, lifelong, lasting friendships. So as a church, we do it. But that really starts with us individually, right? Are you and I willing to make that commitment? Are we willing to say, God, help me to be a good friend? Help me to love people like you love people? You know, as I was doing this message, I thought about this really important question we have to answer. Did God create us to obey rules or to be in relationship? Did God create you just to obey some rules? Or did he create you to be in a relationship? So if you're in a relationship with him, do you think that's where it ends? Or does it continue on to having relationships with those made in his image? Can you make that commitment this morning? That covenant with God? that I will commit to being and making good friends. That I'll be open to the Spirit of God to change my heart. Before we sing, let us just take a moment to listen to God. Allow him to speak to us directly. And as he speaks to us, let's build our relationship with him. Let's pray. Father God, you are worthy of our praise. You are <laughs> you're truly worthy of worship and you have created us for fellowship we look back at that first church as an example of how we're to do it help us to do that well lord but i pray as as the person you've put as pastor of this church that we would be committed that we'd be in a covenant with you that we would be a church that values fellowship values building relationships that are focused on you Lord, help us to do this well. Help us to be welcoming and inviting. Lord, help us to love each other, to know each other, to invest in each other's lives. 